All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP Winged Ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep-fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And, of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Is it to get a win in front of oil country? First of all, I want to say I'm sorry for my English. My English is not really good, but you guys can't even imagine how proud I am to be in the, the team. It's just amazing. Thank you so much. The Game 2 hero, Clem Costin. Let's get into it with the lead. Big dub for the Edmonton Oilers, but they did not make it easy. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, live from the sports closet the studio. Maybe you want to be like Jay and get a clean Costin jersey after his big goal in game two. Check him out, sportscloset.ca. Sean Bell stopping by for the day after report brought to you by our friends at Star Mechanical. You can find them at starmechanical.ca. Sean, the Edmonton Oilers did not make that easy at all. <laughs> I think if you can zoom in, I've got gray hairs. They've added more after mm-hmm. last night, like they come out, they have an unbelievable period. Did they get, did they even give up a shot in the first? It was, was there was one from the outside, I think. Yeah, and, and they might've counted late, a right? dump in. Yeah. yeah. Like it, so nothing. they don't give up anything really. They gave yeah. up one shot and then all of a sudden it seems like they just took the foot off the gas pedal. They got in some penalty trouble mm-hmm. and then they revved it back up when they got close again. Mm-hmm. That's like, that is stressful hockey if they want to continue playing that way. But, you know, there's some really big positives out of that. Um, Obviously, the way they came out, the way that they can dominate and dictate the pace of play is amazing. But they need to shore up those penalties that we talked about last time I was here. Bad penalties. Again, bad penalties. You're just giving this team life. It's a team that's not going to go away easily. And if you give them the opportunity to have momentum builders, well, Mm -hmm. now this is what's going to happen. So. Um, some things to clean up, but overall pretty good. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you to slap a grade on this Oilers performance, but I think it's hard to do that because through 30 minutes, it's like, boom, this is A+. plus. Like, we're living good. And then they just immediately go from A+, plus to like D-, minus, <laughs> and then in the third period, they go back to A+. Plus. And it's like, there's no middle ground with this hockey team. Liam, I'll let you chime in on this, but like, they are either absolutely flying, then it feels like one thing goes wrong, and they're like, well... We're we're just gonna hit the brakes here. Yeah, there's just like no middle ground in the yeah. game at all, and it's so annoying to be honest. To watch, yeah. just like, come on, like, how are you making that play? Like, so many just stupid ones. Like, why is Evander Kane slapping a puck out of the air like that? Like, just going blindly right, behind. Yeah, the back, like, come on. Like, what's, what's a positive outcome when you do a play like that? Like, I don't even Nothing. know. Uh, that you have good hand eye yeah. that you can whack it out. Like, that's <laughs> it, right? Like, oh. but there's so many players who like fall into that category. You look at Leon Drysaddle scores the big goal, right? All fired up. He's just absolutely dominant through his first handful of shifts. Takes a dumb slashing penalty, and he was the guy who was talking about maturity and discipline. <laughs> and he whacks Kempe once. The official's arm doesn't go up. So he does it again, almost to be like, I wonder if I can get away with this. Like he was either on that end of the spectrum or on the other side where, again, he was on the ice for both their goals at five on five. And he was on the ice for all four of their goals straight up. But then he was on the ice for the two goals against. And there was also a couple of times where he was, there's one, he was up at the blue line and Kempe got the puck in the slot. And it was like, where's the centerman in this situation? So Dryside was on either end of that spectrum. Stuart Skinner was on either end of that spectrum where it's like big save, big save, big save, big save. Weak goal, weak goal, gets beaten again by Kupari at the end of the second, but he hits the post. Like, it's just kind of funny the way they they come and go throughout that whole game. And there's like multiple culprits. Yeah, it's like they, you know, every playoff team talks about just staying the course and not riding that wave of momentum. And I feel like the Oilers sometimes ride that big time. Like, it's almost like they get too amped up in the moment and then they start making those dumb mistakes. Like, those slashing penalties or sm- smacking out of the air. Like we just talked about, like there's just a lot of weird things that they do. And, and one of the things that I saw yesterday is when they were on the four check, they were unbelievable. They, the Kings couldn't get out of their zone, yeah. but then all of a sudden you get kind of in that second period early into the third period, all the others were doing was hanging on in the defensive end. And then they were just throwing the pucks out and then getting into a one, two, two. And you're just like allowing LA to continue to come at you wave after wave after wave. Like that is a bad recipe. If you think you're going to beat this team and like, and they've proven every single time they're down and they just play the same way and they just keep coming at you. They keep coming at you. And then all of a sudden, boom, they strike. Yeah. I think this, the one, three, one approach from LA is so fascinating to watch and the Oilers, the way they're kind of countering it. There was a couple of moments in the third period where the Edmonton D-man had the puck in their own end. And there was once I saw McDavid like wave to Bouchard, like, no, no, like almost stand there. Let us finish this off because LA had no interest in forechecking in those situations. I joked, I was watching it with my girlfriend. I joked, I was like seven minutes to go. They might be able to just stand there and run off this clock. What do you make of this kind of passive approach by LA? Like, is it something that can eventually wear down the Oilers or does McClellan now maybe need to make some adjustments? Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to just slow down the Oilers speed, right? Yeah. Like they know that, terms of a forward to forward comparison that the Oilers forwards are just a lot better and they're faster. So what they're trying to do is they're getting into that one, three, one, they're going to, I guess, gum up the game, if you will, right. They're going to clog that neutral zone and they want to slow you down. So they want you to dump the puck in, but on the Oilers side, they're trying to, if you notice it, they're stretching one winger. He's either at the far blue or he's right behind the middle player in the one, three, one. And then they're swinging two forwards to the left-hand side the defenseman will step up, you'll hit the defenseman, you'll skate to the red and you'll dump it in with two forwards flying. And they've been doing that almost every single time and they've actually had some success for it. So, you know, on the one, three, one side, like all you're trying to do is you're getting them to dump the puck so that that back defenseman can pick up the puck and then they can just break it out easily. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really interesting cat and mouse game and how they're trying to counter each other when it comes to that one, three, one in that situation. But I almost feel like the others are relying on that too much instead of like, Let's turn the puck up and let's start going north in a hurry and make the LA Kings start to chase after our forwards. That's something they did early in the season too. Like when they played LA in those last two games, it was so like, they were so LA Kings style and the others beat them that way. Right. But it's like, why don't you try and counter it in your own positive ways? It's interesting that they just very rarely have that approach to be honest against these teams who have these sturdy systems. 
The Oilers Nation YouTube is bumping right now. Taylor was in with the first comment of the day saying time for an absolute blowout on the Rat Kings this Friday. Let's go <laughs> Oilers. And a lot of love for our guy, Clem Shady, who scored the big goal in the third period, his first career playoff goal. Him and Derek Ryan get the two arguably biggest goals of the hockey game. Ryan early on to kind of settle in momentum and then Costin obviously in the third period. There's something about those playoff celebrations, too, that just really, really get you going. Guys who, like, they'd both been on the ice for a few seconds already, had already gone up and down, and they score, and, like, that energy burst. They were taking, like, hard strides in the celebrations. Uh, that kind of passion. You saw off the jump, Clem Costin talking to the fans after at Rogers Place. That's playoff hockey, though, is you need unsung heroes, guys in the bottom of your lineup to come through. And it's been interesting. We'll talk about dry settle in just a second. But Connor McDavid's been quiet, held the one point through two games. And yet you look at where the Oilers offense is coming from. And the fact that their bottom six is producing the way it is, is a very encouraging sign. Oh, it's a massive sign. That's what, you know, we've been begging for here in Edmonton for almost like six or seven years. And now you've got a really deep roster, uh, guys that can score throughout the lineup. And now you're seeing that, you know, McDavid's going to have the tough matchup. He's got Doughty, he's got Deneau. And then you've got Drysaddle, who's going to most likely play against that second pairing, mm-hmm. which he's been lighting up. And obviously, we'll talk about that soon. But now you've got these matchups, you know, in the bottom end of your uh, your lineup, where I think it just favors the Oilers. Like Clint Costin, if you watch, like he's got speed. He was ultra physical. Like he had a couple of hits where you're like, wow. Like I heard them up in the press box, and and so he's just really imposing his will on the series. And then Derek Ryan. He's just a really smart player, and they're very comfortable putting him out there at any time. Yeah, they also pointed out it wasn't the shot he scored on. There was one right before that in the second period that he almost buried on. Yeah, Yeah. and they said it on the broadcast. It was like 89.5 miles per hour on like a snapshot in his feet. That is crazy hard. Like Again, I, I see moments in his game. Or I go, okay, that's why the coaching staff doesn't trust him. And they didn't mm-hmm. play him late in the third when it was still a one-goal game. But, man, like you can't take a guy like that out of the lineup because he's in the bottom six, Liam, and he's a chance to just flip the game in, in a second like he did. Yeah, I mean, what was he, the 27th overall pick or something like that? Yeah. Like Only a couple of skill. years ago. Like He's got a lot of skill. and But it's amazing to think that he played less than eight minutes last night mm-hmm. with the impact he had almost every single time he was on the ice. And... Just just glimpses of Zach Cassian from yep. 2017 in like small ways. And it's like, oh, is this it? Cassian's game was game two of round one as well. So we'll see. But he is just he's just a gem. Look at him. Flash that one up, Aaron. What a good man. Rocking the vest. <laughs> what a beautiful man. Uh, we talked, Liam, ahead of this series about, okay, do they go 12 and six or 11 and seven? Pros and cons. You were a big component of 12 and six at home, 11 and mm. six on the road. Woodcroft was kind of forced to go with the 11 and seven approach in game two and it paid off almost immediately i mean you look at that dry side goal he got a chance to go up against bottom six players there he walked around carl grunstrom the fourth line left winger for the la kings and then when costin scored it was again dry saddle costin and ryan on the ice those three aren't seeing the ice together if you're going with the 12 and 6 approach sean is 11 and 7 even if they get fully healthy at some point you just roll with 11 and seven because of that flexibility. Yeah, it's, I don't know. That's a tough one because obviously when they started the playoffs, they go with 12 and six. Mm-hmm. Um, you just feel like you need a little bit more uh, in terms of your forwards, even like with Broberg, like the amount that he played, like you're really playing six defensemen anyway. So, yeah. you know, I'd like it. I like the 11 and seven from the aspect of exactly like you talked about, you get dry saddle or McDavid out against bottom end rostered players for the Kings. And that's where they can really make that big impact. But at the same time, like, you know, Yanmark comes back. How do you keep him out? How do you keep out Costin? How do you keep out Ryan? Like yeah. there's some players on that bottom six that you're like, well, you can't take these guys out. Yeah. And I think the natural, you know, option is Broberg. What, what did you think of Dayane last night? Like obviously he had that turnover, which led to a goal. And then sometimes you watch him and, he makes a turnover again, but then next thing you know, he's just separating the man from puck every time he's around. He's just such an interesting player because he has a good positive impact. But then on some nights, it's like, you are costing your team a little bit here too. Yeah, I, I just think he's he's still feeling his way through the mm-hmm. NHL, right? Like it's, uh, it's a massive jump from the HL to the NHL. Um, it's completely different, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's getting pretty decent matchup. So you see that he obviously on the defensive end, he's great. He's got a big stick. Like he closes gaps quickly, yeah. which is why they want him. And honestly, at the same time, he gives them a bit of a nasty approach. Right. Um, but at the same time, like he just 
wish that he would do things a little bit quicker. Like the goal that was scored, he had an opportunity to pass to McDavid and he held on to it for a split second. Most of his sticks get slashed and then it's a t- quick turnover, right? So you're seeing it right now. And those are the things where you're like, if you can eliminate those in your game, like you're going to be a really, really productive defenseman. Mm-hmm. My favorite part about Dayane when he first came was how invisible he was essentially. Like you didn't notice just, him. You didn't notice him ever. Yeah. But now just these last couple and it's easier to point out because they end up in goals and players make mistakes all the time. But it's like, costly mistakes unfortunately yeah. for like i'm right torn now. on it too because i almost feel like he's in the same boat as i mentioned some of the guys like dries on skinner where like he'll go three straight shifts where he like nails a guy mm. behind the net makes a big hit has a nice pinch and you're like well, okay he's playing good. and then it's just the one big blunder and you're like oh man and i mean maybe we're not even talking about him like that goal probably shouldn't have gone in on skinner right yeah so yeah, exactly. maybe we're not talking about day at all if that goal doesn't go in yeah the, the good outweighs the bad. At yeah, the end of the day that's a good for point. Uh, Philip Broberg played just four minutes and 39 seconds in that hockey game, but he was plus two. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was on for the Ryan goal and the Costin goal somehow. Um, so that broke a decent way. Leon Dreisaitl on the ice for all four goals as well. Uh, let's get into our three big things from last night's game. For our friends over at Betway 19+, plus, please play responsibly. I want to get your take on Evan Bouchard last night because... I looked at some of the numbers for this guy and it was absolutely incredible. The the stats he put up in that game at five on five, he played 16 minutes and 58 seconds. Yeah. I br- I went and got his shift breakdown from natural statric. So 25 shifts. He started 13 of them on the fly. Sorry, not seven, 13 on the fly. Mm. Just one of his 25 shifts came starting in the ozone. And yet the Oilers outshot the Kings 16 to three. There were a bunch of times where I just noticed him making these, they're not even like obvious breakout passes, but they're like sneaky little passes in his own end where it's maybe only 12 to 14 feet away, but there's a four checker coming. He's just calm and he slips it up perfectly to the winger. That breakout pass is like, I think he's the best passer on this blue line is probably not even close. I thought he had a great game again last night. Yeah. He, those are the things that when he got drafted, those are part of the reason why obviously his offensive instincts and those breakout passes mm-hmm. like that. The minute he got into the NHL, that's always been his calling card. He makes those little slip passes that, honestly, not a lot of the defensemen can. Like, you look at Nurse, you look at uh, Cece. like, these guys aren't making those same passes like Bouchard is, and that's a really nice piece of his game. So it allows the other forwards to be a little bit um, you know, more offensive-minded when he's out on the ice. Um, but on the same at the same side, like, flip side, sorry, him and Ekholm together have really bonded they've gelled together and they've made it very hard for opposing forwards and you know Bouchard has just really taken off so I love the way he's closing time and space on forwards you know before like before Ekholm got there he didn't do that which allowed guys to kind of pick him apart a little bit but now he's just got this confidence all of a sudden you're like oh man this is a completely different defenseman yeah and he's I know it's been kind of a complaint for some people when it comes to Bouchard is it feels like he's not engaged in the game because he's got that look about him and he never seems to take like a frantic step in any direction. Like he almost just floats around there. Like even when he gets pissed off in a scrum, like he's just got that look on him that you're like, what's even going on between the ears. But I almost think that like cool as a cucumber approach helps him in the O's or in the D zone. We even saw yesterday, there's a four checker coming on him and he's just like, ah, I'll make a quick tight turn here. I'll spin around and boom, I'll find my guy. Like, it's, it's almost an asset for him. It, it really is. Like, guys are competitive in different ways, and not everybody's going to be that amped up, animated mm-hmm. guy. Like, and for him, he's just cool, calm, and collected, yeah. and he just he exudes that. You know, like one of the guys in the NHL or used to be in the NHL that was probably the biggest for that was Carey Price, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, most nonchalant person I think I've ever met. And the Bouchard is eerily similar to that. Yeah. And I know the Oilers have had coaches in the past who, like, n- maybe it didn't come up publicly, but like, they hated that yep. about him and like could not stand it. Didn't think he'd be a long-term NHL guy. And I like that Woodcroft, even when Bouchard has kind of made some mistakes here, you think back to game one and the cross-checking penalty and all that, he just keeps throwing them out there and keeps giving them opportunities to kind of make up for it. And I mean, three more years of him because he's an RFA for a handful more at under contract. I think that pairing is a chance to be like a very, very good one for the Oilers for a while. Yeah. One of the, one of the biggest things that I learned from a coach, uh, Guy Boucher was that, you know, coaching has evolved over the years and you can't have the old school guys that think you got to coach everybody in one singular way. You know, what I figured out from him is that you got to, you've got egos on the team. 
you got 20 egos on the ice. So you've got to manage each guy differently. And maybe Bouchard just reacts better to what Woodcroft's doing as opposed to whoever it was in the past, just giving it to him every single time he came off the ice. Like, unfortunately, players now in this era, they don't have to deal with the here comes 10 F-bombs the minute you come off the ice. Maybe it's like, hey, take a look at the iPad. Could you have made a different play here? Could you have made a different play there? And now they respond to that. So I think, you know, Woodcroft's done a really good job of managing everybody on the team. Second big thing for our friends at Betway, uh, the trio of Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman continues to be quiet. And like Zach Hyman, I thought was fighting it a little bit last night. Ryan Nugent Hopkins took the penalty, which I know some people were complaining about, but I was like, your sticks in a guy's skates. Like as soon as you put it there, if the guy wants to go down, if he wants to twist around with your stick in his skates, like, you got you're responsible for where your for where your twig goes. Um, those three have been concerning through the first couple of games. Do you have like a long term level of concern with those three, or like I almost look at it as a glass half full kind of thing? And I've used that analogy a few times now in this series. But once they start getting going, that's going to be a big difference maker for these two other teams. It's a matter of when, not if, for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, I just think Hyman's trying to do too much. Uh, there was a couple opportunities, you know, where he. He had the pass, one in particular, I remember, because uh, Gary Meyer screamed up in the press box. And, um, you know, he had McLeod wide open in the slot. And instead of just hitting him, he decided to do an extra move and then he turned it over. So it's like just he's trying to create too much. and He's trying to have a massive impact in the game. But his game is just go out and work your ass off. That's what his game is all about. And I just think he's trying to do a little bit too much. McDavid, they're obviously putting their best players on him. So they're naturally going to slow him down a little bit. But once again, he still had opportunities. And I think once he scores, look out. Because now all of a sudden, he's going to start feeling it. Drysaddle's already feeling it. And then, you know, McDavid, he just makes, he elevates his line mates. So I'm not worried about it at all. Six shots in game two for uh, for Connor McDavid, five for Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. It seems like just a matter of time until some of those start going in for the Oilers. Liam, what do you make of that trio? Yeah, I mean, it's not been great to say the least, but I feel like they kind of get a lot of momentum from the power play too most of the times and it's just not been coming for them, right? So the mojo is not there for them. I'd be curious to see if they eventually put Evander Kane on that line instead of Nugent Hopkins and switch that up a little they bit. They did actually do that yeah. uh, yesterday. They, they did? Uh, they switched, I think it was uh, Nuge with Kane. Okay. And actually, and Hyman actually went up, uh, went down as well. So they actually mm. did make that uh, wholesale change. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did swap that up. Those three. So when it was Nuge, Hyman, and McDavid on the ice, they played seven twenty-four together, a five-on-five. Shot attempts were eight-seven for the Oilers. So not a big gap when you're considering what the gap was on the shot clock. Like relatively speaking, those aren't great numbers. And then they switched to McDavid, Hyman, and Kane for five fifty-two, and the Oilers outshot the Kings six nothing in that span. <laughs> so I do think, like, again, nothing against Hyman or Nuge. But I like with McDavid having two guys who are shit disturbers next to him. Even if, like, I, I wouldn't hate a Kyler Yamamoto, even though I don't think his hands are maybe at that level. But two guys who just get in deep, push the D-men back. And I think you just open up so much more space for Connor McDavid. And I mean, I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 100-point guy. I just don't think he has the intensity to bring that in his game. Like I do think McDavid works better with two guys who can crash and bang. Yeah, he, he works better with guys that can get him the puck too, yeah. right? Like they, those two guys, they go in the corner, they have no fear, they come out, they give him the puck, and then they go get open. And, and that's exactly what they need. Like dry settles a little bit more cerebral. Um, so is uh, Nuge. And so they, I think they mesh together very well because mm-hmm. they think closer than what McDavid to a Nuge does. I was going to say they kind of play like a slower pace to it and everything, yeah, right? Where it's more methodical. Game, yeah, the game's a little bit more simple in a way where. McDavid skating through everyone. You're just trying to catch up to the guy more than anything. So I think Nuge will be much more effective with dry and, and Yamo I, on him. Like, I feel like he's been getting a lot of criticism for two games, but he's been digging for pucks and getting them there every time. Like I get it. Like you obviously want to see him score his chances and I'm sure Kyle Yamamoto wants to as well. But at the end of the day, he's, he's playing his role very effectively. And Bryce, I don't say leading the, I think the NHL now with five points and Yamo's right there on his wing with him. Right. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. 
North of 400 people in the Oilers Nation YouTube, but we haven't hit 100 likes. Hammer the like button. You said the like goal today is 103, Liam? That's how many games Clem Shady has played in the NHL. So All right. Yes. Sure. There you go. Hammer that like button <laughs> on YouTube. Our third third big thing for our friends at Betway, the chat. You guys were going off about this earlier in the show, but I wanted to save it for our third big thing. The penalty differential. Power plays were 4-1 to one for the LA Kings in that hockey game. And Aaron, we can flash this up now, actually. The power play time in total in round one. The Oilers have been on the man advantage for three minutes and 56 seconds. LA 16.06. Despite that, the Oilers still have two goals. The Kings have been held to two goals. The Oilers even have six shots on goal in that 3.56 as well. That's got to be something you'd imagine evens out to some extent. And I'm not even saying that's right or wrong. But what we know about the NHL and officiating is they like to make sure this kind of stuff gets evened up. Like I wouldn't spend too much time if you're in the chat complaining about it. Because I do think we're due for a game where the Oilers just get five and the Kings get two. Yeah, it's coming at some yeah. point. But like, let's be honest, for two seconds, the Oilers have deserved almost every single one of these calls. And, yeah. you know, notoriously, the LA Kings are not a dirty team. If you look over the course of the hockey season or the regular season, like they've actually been pretty tight. They've been pretty clean. They rarely take tripping penalties. They rarely take holding penalties. Like this is a hardworking team. And when you think about some of those penalties, like those are lazy man penalties and mm-hmm. the Kings don't take those penalties. You made an interesting point about the kinds of infractions that have been getting called. They're only stick infractions. There's been two roughing calls, which was Clem Costin, I think Ayafalo or Lazar. There was a holding call of Mike Anderson and then Bouchard and an interference. Every single other penalty has been a stick infraction. Yeah. The refs uh, literally don't want to call penalties and the Oilers are forcing them to call penalties. I cannot think of one time the Oilers have been speeding through the neutral zone or the essence zone of the Kings and just there's a stick between the legs and a trip. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you can't cross your guy in the face. Yeah. You also can't just wind up and two-hand him in the back of the mm-hmm. legs. So, I mean, like, these are all penalties. Like, yeah. what do you mean they're penalties? Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're penalties. <laughs> in any league across the world. Exactly. And <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, the others are just making it way too easy for the Kings to, uh, for the refs to make calls. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. And I don't think there's anyone who can complain about it. By saying that, the Kings have obviously held and interfered, but so have the Oilers. If there's only been one called, and the one that was called was blatantly obvious when Bouchard buried Trevor Moore into the boards. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. Yeah, like, even, I mean, Nugent Hopkins was like heated going to the box, and I was like, man, like, it was like, I was expecting Louis to be like, that's a can opener, because I know he loves <laughs> yes. throwing that one out there in his analysis, but like, you put your stick in it, even Dreisaitl's one on Byfield, like, his, sk- his stick blade was in, in the skate yep, blade. It was yeah. like wrapped in. It was like, you can't complain about it all that much. And I mean, I do, the people who are fired up about it, I do see their side because I think there's a little bit in every official's brain that's like, we give the Oilers a power play. They very damn well might score. Oh, and Look at that right now already, right? Yeah, yeah. two goals in yeah. three minutes and 56 seconds. Like, man, if you give them power play, it could very well change the game. And I think sometimes <laughs> that doesn't work in their favor. But I remember... McDavid drew those two back to back in round one. And I saw Elliot Friedman tweeted like, oh, if they're going to call it that way, this series is going to look a lot differently. And I was like, damn it, don't say that because now it'll be a thing, right? And sure but, shit. But what happened when McDavid got those calls? They were so blatantly obvious because yeah. his feet were moving and they forced Drew out. It's like make a mistake with his stick. Yeah. And then the holding one, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was blatant, if I remember correctly. Yeah, well, and every every single time the Oilers have taken these calls, it's always been in the times where they've decided to sit back. Yes, every, every time. single time that they start playing and they actually yeah. do what they're supposed to, they don't take penalties and they just live in the offensive mm-hmm. zone. So it's like this is it's a tale of the tape right now. It's a yeah. story of the of the series so far. It's Oilers four check hard. Like, you know how to use your skill, use your speed and don't sit back and like give the opportunities for the Kings to just continue to come at you. That's yep. when you take your penalties. Uh, out of the five goal, uh, six goals the Kings scored, I think you could argue one was like an earned goal by the LA Kings and not a mistake. Like yep. Philip Deneau's goal was probably the one that was like, yeah, that was like a fair goal. He still goal. got beat off. He beat True. someone off the wall. So if you're even in good position there, so you could argue right, like six. You can argue that all of them <laughs> yeah. are it's oil or fault. Oilers' fault. fault. Yeah, so, it's crazy. Yeah. You look at the Oilers' goals. They have to work hard for every single goal they yeah. score. It's such a, such a different tale on both ends of the ice. It's kind of wild. That's LA's calling card, though, yeah, right? Yeah, hundred percent. They're they maybe aren't going to push a whole lot going the other way. They're going to rely on you making mistakes to give them goals. 
but man, they're going to sit back and they're going to make it hard as hell for you to generate, mm-hmm. a, to generate anything. And Corpus Allo also yesterday, like the costing goal, I'm sure that kept him up a little bit at night, but I mean, he made some dynamite saves in that hockey game. Like it was two, nothing. It could have been four, nothing at some point in that second period. If he wasn't sprawling around making big stops. So credit Corpus Allo too. He's been good so far in this series. Yeah. He's, he's really earned that, uh, you know, that trade, like he's, mm-hmm. he's proven them right. Um, He's making big saves and, and the Oilers are going to have to find ways to, you know, get bodies in front of them. I think a little bit more often, I think they got to make a move east, west more and then start to, you know, elevate the pucks. When you look at some of the goals that the Oilers have scored, that's exactly what they've done. Um, mm. You have to get guys like that moving side to side and then that you can start to capitalize on that. But if you think you're just going to be able to play a perimeter game against the Kings and, and score four or five, it's not happening. Sean, this was great. Uh, the Oilers even up the series. Now they go down to L.A. looking to work some magic on the road. Do you think there's a chance the Oilers, and I know there's people being optimistic in the chat, think they can just turn on the Jets and dominate this thing on the road? Do they have that in them? I do think they have an in them. Like, there's something about the Oilers team. When they get on the road, they're just kind of at home. Like They feel good going in and ruining other people's nights. That's just it's how it's been like over the course of the season. Yeah. So I think they're going to get on the road. They're going to be kind of together at all times. All the distractions and noise here in Edmonton, it's going to be out of the way. And I think now they just go focus on playing. And that's uh, for the Oilers. I think that's a really big thing. Four more road wins than home wins this season. So that's an excellent point by you as well. Thanks for popping by. And we will chat with you again on Monday because no show Saturday. Looking forward to it. There you go, guys. Sean Bell for our friends at Star Mechanical 24-7 Emergency Service. Phone number on the screen, 780-481-8873. The number one plumbing and heating company in Edmonton. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There you go. There's Sean Bell for our friends at Star Mechanical. Now Liam gets to scoot over a little closer to me on the couch. It's like a little magic trick. Yeah, it's a little magic. We put up the board, we come back, and boom, Belzy's gone. Uh, Christopher Palmer, Greta, best not be taking reservations for next Saturday. Wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, hey, and there's another one in here too from Aiden O'Neill, and I want to catch up on what everyone's been saying in the chat. Um, (laughs) The pressure kind of does shift to the Kings because it's like, hey, you know, the Oilers haven't played two complete hockey games yet in the series, and it's 1-1, and you're almost, in a way, from a Kings perspective, kind of lucky it's 1-1 as well. Like I said, going into the third period yesterday, I tweeted it. I said, is it insane to say the season hinges on this next 20? And I honestly didn't think so. If you go down 2 nothing, the immense pressure you're facing going into L.A. to not just win one, but sweep that is crazy. And now... You win game two, you're feeling good, you go out on the road, or Belzy said it, less distractions and things like that. I think there's a chance the Oilers turn on the Jets here in game in games three and four. I think so too. And and one thing I was kind of thinking about actually, you mentioned the LA Kings there, how like they've not been good. Mm-hmm. 
when when are the LA Kings going to be good? Like, when are the LA Kings going to show up in this series too, you know? And, like, the Oilers just can't sit back and fully, like, wait for that to happen. They need to, and it's very difficult to do this, but the pressure they put on in the first period of both those games and then they let off in the second mm-hmm. and then got back into a little bit in the third yesterday, like, you've got to keep some form of that. And you said it off the top where, like, the grade level is A plus when they're on it and D when they're not and there's nothing in between. They need to at least find that. B or B plus game too at points as well. And like, honestly, bury some chances when you get them. Like, I truly believe if the others find a way to score three goals in this game and go up by three, and there's no way LA can come back, right? Like, I just feel like that's the case for them. But, but they need to have that killer instinct. They really need to. And it needs to come from more than just this guy, Leon yep. Dreisaitl too. Like, other guys need to contribute and, and bury some chances. And, but yeah, I, I do believe the others can go into LA on what would it be Friday tomorrow and get the job done because we we've seen it from them in the past with essentially this exact same group and just limit the penalties. And last night was better, but there was just a little bit of like when they went down to that five on three, it's like, okay guys, come on. Surely, you know that, that those are bad plays to kind of make in those situations. So yeah. limit that a little bit. And I think the, the panel, the power plays will come for the others. But if you remember back to game seven last year too, I think it was, two power plays one power play like historically i guess this series hasn't been that and pen- penalized actually cam sharon today on daily face off live pointed out that as series go on the trend in the nhl is as series go on there are less power plays interesting but he also noted that power play percentage and special teams percentages are more closely linked to win percentage later in the series as well so you get less chances but you need to be more opportunistic. And I actually think that mm. might work in the Oilers' favor. Like if each side's only going to get two, I like the Oilers' chances of going one or one for two or two for two more than I like the Kings' chances. Edmonton's penalty kill goes four for four yesterday as well. Uh, I mentioned Greta. If you want to come party with us, Friday night at Greta, Sunday night at Greta, we will be there. It's a nation playoff party downtown. We are going to be taking over Greta. It is going to be a good time. They got some great specials going on. They got uh, arcade games for the intermissions. I actually think you need to make reservations because these we fill these places when we take them over. Uh, GretaBar.com is where you can go, but we might be sold out for Friday. We might have like a table left. I think Friday might 100% be done. So that means Sunday. Sunday. You can walk in. Okay, so some walk-in available at Greta, but uh, the playoff parties are going to be bumping with our friends at Greta. Uh, Let's put a bow on game two by digging into some of the numbers that I saw uh, or that stood out to me. Powered by Boston Pizza and their new Fanalytics menu. The playoff leader in Pines. Did you see yesterday I went and snuck in a snuck in a chili one at BP's? I do. I, I usually like a good Wednesday at BP's too. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a good time to go yesterday. What'd you get? Wings. So I go fried honey garlic wings. Oh, it's a good one. So good. That's my go-to. Yeah. And then we also did the new Fanalytics powered Appy Trio. So it had oh, nice. uh, sweet chili. Had a little bit of, it does have a little bit of bite in general. The sweet chili or Thai chili chicken bites. Yep, yep, yep. Cactus cuts, bandera bread. Oh, flash it up! Oh, that is come on, buddy. The trifecta and the triple what? play. Be- because I had the wings and that, I didn't quite finish that. So now I got some leftovers at home for tonight. Oh, she looks unbelievable. It's, it was re- like, it was really really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I missed out on my on my BPs yesterday, but I, I'm usually there fairly often. Yeah. Oh, and this is the flight. This is the pizza flight, but you oh, can like mix and match it, so you can like pick other things too. Anyways, oh, interest. I truly didn't have an image in my head of what this pizza flight looks yeah. like, but I can, uh, I can see it now. I can taste it. Ooh. Liam, the bottom six last night for the Edmonton Oilers was just absolutely lights out. And I want to give you some guys who really stood out. Derek Ryan in seven minutes and 48 seconds at five on five. The shots were five one Oilers. Clem cost in seven forty two. Shots were seven to two for the Oilers. When that guy was on the ice, the Oilers were almost picking up a shot per minute. With those two on the ice, the Oilers outscored the LA Kings two to nothing. Those are the analytics that are powering the Oilers' bottom six to not just break even, but to be impactful. They're actively changing the tide of these hockey games. And that has people in the chat wondering, and there was a bunch of you, so I'm not going to rattle off all your names. (laughs) Should the Oilers look to give Clean Costin an elevated role, maybe in favor of a guy like Kyler Yamamoto? Uh, no. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think so. I just think it's there's moments in the game where Yamamoto 
can be very effective for you. And I think Yamamoto's minutes maybe get a little bit mm-hmm. high too because they get some power uh, penalty kill time too. But just the styles are different. And I truly believe that the reason Kyle Yamamoto is on that second line is because Leon Draisaitl loves to play with him. I think he does too. And I think if Costin was like, I'm not saying he's not liked, but if he was welcomed more in the top six by McDavid and Draisaitl, for example, he'd probably play a little bit more up there. I but, think it's a coaching staff thing. I think, think he, so? he makes turnovers and there's some bad penalties in there and they don't trust him with that kind of a workload. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% true. And like, let's not forget, he's just essentially a rookie this season. Like he's yeah. barely played a hundred games in the NHL and I just don't want to push him too far. I think he's playing such an effective role in the bottom six right now. And like that goal he scored yesterday, they said it on the radio. I think that only three other players on the others this season have scored from that relative area. And it was McDavid, Dreisaitl and Kane. Hmm. So like, he's obviously not ripping it all the time, but what's that now? 14 goals on the season? Like effective in that bottom six. And I think it's important that the others layer out the depth a little bit. Like there's been, I don't know. I just wouldn't take, I wouldn't move too much around at the moment. What do you, what would you do? Maynard says, no, leave the bottom six alone. Calvi and Bomber says, no, only because if he's being good in this role, you want to keep people in their role. Davin says, Yamo knows what dry needs. Kyle says he isn't playing the greatest, but don't mess with the flow. And I am torn on it. I think Costin could do well up there and I would be interested to see what kind of an impact he could have with an extra four minutes. And I'm not saying permanently do it, but you're going with the 11 and seven approach. I don't think giving Clem Costin six extra shifts in the next game is going to hurt you. Giving him an extra, that would probably be what, four minutes? Giving him an extra four minutes is not going to like so insanely change the balance of this hockey team that you're going to be like, oh no, now no one knows what they're doing out there. The 11 and seven approach is good because of the way you can kind of manipulate your lineup. And for me, Zach Hyman's not going at hundred percent. Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't going at hundred percent. McDavid works better when he's got dogs with him, guys who are just skating hard and are like wrecking balls. I think McDavid Hyman Costin could have some good looks. Drysaddle was on the ice twice with them yesterday and they scored twice. I think him and Dreisaitl could work well together, even if you were to put someone else on the right side that wasn't a Yamamoto. And I liked Yamamoto's game yesterday. Yeah. But the things he does well are effort-based, right? He gets in on the forecheck. He gets his stick in along the boards, creates loose pucks, creates turnovers. I love it. But he had a chance going wide one-on-one with a guy to rip a puck on net. And what happened? He fumbled it and it went into the corner. What happens when Clint Costin comes in wide? He hits a post, gets a good shot, scores a goal. Three looks. And he rips the puck. And I just think Yamamoto, his hands aren't there right now. It comes and goes with him. He's a 20-goal guy, or he was a 20-goal guy last season. Mm. I think Fogel's been playing well. Fogel's hands kind of come and go. But, I mean, Costin has shown that he can get insanely hot and score in bunches. Why? I just, I'm too tempted. It's too tempting. His ceiling is too high for me to not want to explore that. Yeah, I think those are all good points. And, I mean, with the 11 and 7, like, maybe you can... You can experiment with it a little bit more. Yeah. I just, I'm just wondering if the games are too tight at the moment to be, to be putting that kind of on the line to be like, well, let's see what he's like. But also, if you're playing in for like two more shifts a game, is it really going to make that much of a difference? Especially with the amount of five on five that has been played in this series from the Oilers' perspective, like yeah. rather than power plays, and maybe that allows the flow to come more through Klim. But it, it, it is interesting to see him play less than eight minutes last night and see the impact that he yeah. was able to have. Fogel wasn't as good last night, but game one, he he definitely earned more minutes than what he maybe should have gotten. But look at it too. Like Bukestad has been great. Like it's just, it, this team is so weird right now because everyone who shouldn't be playing as well as they should be are playing out of their skin. And then it's just like dry saddles carrying the top six to whatever success they can find is it's just a crazy little, crazy little thing going on here in this little old town. A lot of you, Isaiah, uh, Quincy, a bunch of you, Owen. Yeah, I, I agree with you all saying Warren Fogel's been playing great. I think I agree. I 100%. The way he's been flying up and down the ice, he's made a great defensive play in each of these two games mm. and not a defensive play that's like awareness, knowing where your stick is. A defensive play that's like bust your ass, get back, be a disruptor. He's doing that really, really well. But again, Costin has the offensive upside on him to me, right? Like Clem Costin can bury his chances when he gets going. And that's why I'd want him up there. Isaiah says Costin would make more room out there. I agree with that as well. Um, 
Yeah, I know. I just think it's an interesting little thing. Like, again, it's clear when you look at the minutes down the stretch that there's something with Costner. We know what it is. It's discipline and it's playing the defensive zone that they don't fully trust him with an extended workload. They don't trust him with D zone starts all that often. I think you can pick and choose your spots with him a bit. The offensive zone upside with this guy is so high that I think it's at the point where you got to give him a bit more of a leash. It's interesting just looking at his stats here. I just kind of assumed he was an offensive guy Mm -hmm. in the NHL. He never scored more than 30 points in the American. Yeah. And he's one goal away from a tie in his career high as a professional. Just overall. It's interesting. Uh, some people talking about Broberg. Nathan says, I didn't see the point to play Broberg for four minutes. Could we not have called up a veteran from Bakersfield to take his spot? Scored twice when he was on the ice. I think Broberg in his four minutes looked good. They're picking and choosing his spots, but they're throwing him out there with a different partner a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I think, again, similar, like the Broberg DeHarnay conversation is similar to Cost and Yam or yeah, Cost and Yamo, where there is a guy the coaching staff clearly trusts more there. Yeah. It's Vinny and it's Yamo. I think the upside of Broberg, his puck moving, his foot speed, all of that. I think you could give Broberg more minutes. I, I think Vinny is, he's slipping, man. I love the guy, but I think we saw this even early in his career this season where he came up and it was, you said it, mm-hmm. you didn't notice him. No. He just played clean, quiet minutes. He'd be a bit of a prick after the whistle, brought that edge of physicality, all that. But then he starts to try to do things that he shouldn't. The penalty he took in OT was a pinch where it hopped over his stick. Sure. But that's not exactly a bad break. You got to be sure at the line when you're stepping up like that. And he wasn't. And then the other goal last night was instead of just making a simple play when he's behind the net, he thought, I'm going to try rush this thing up. He fumbled it and back the other way. It's in the back of your net. So I think you could play Broberg a little bit more in those spots because Broberg doesn't make those two mistakes. One thing I've noticed with Vinny too in these last two games, he seems to be like falling a lot. Like there's just things about his, he feels uncomfortable out there and it's very strange. And that's yeah. not really like, it's not him. Like we haven't seen that a lot this season. So I just yeah. want, I, I kind of agree. The only obstacle you kind of run into there is you put in, you're probably putting someone on the wrong side. If it's Kulak, for example, yeah, but I think Broberg's I, okay doing that. I think I so know. too. And, but this again, like, why can't you, so what was yeah. it? Broberg played four fifteen or something down there. If he, if he played about 18 minutes mm-hmm. and about four of them are on the penalty kill. He's a good penalty kill. There's no denying that. And I think that's why he's in the lineup every single night. Wait, bring bring down the five on five a little bit. Bring Broberg up to maybe even just eight minutes. Like, mm-hmm. what's an extra couple of shifts out there, you know? And Broberg, I wrote an article about this a couple of weeks ago. He very rarely does anything wrong. Like he he really doesn't. You don't notice him. You don't notice him at all. The pr- the problem with him is he doesn't do a lot of much else. Like he's just very simple in his game, and I'm sure he's just being told to do that. I know there's more to Philip Broberg, but. When Vinny Dayane is going up the ice on that second goal, like if I want to see that from Broberg, not from Dayane. I yeah. want to see Broberg moving with the puck a little bit more and, and playing his game. But I agree. I actually think Broberg's a very, very good player. And I do think he's earned more of an opportunity. I'm very curious to see what they'll kind of do with him in general. But to call up a veteran from, who are you calling up? Jason Demers. Well, yeah. he wasn't great in his one game. <laughs> Nima Linen, we've kind of he hasn't been the same since that one Nashville game when he turtled a little bit. And besides that, there's literally nobody else in Bakersfield. Cam Denis, anybody? They just re-signed him to I'm one good. year. I'm good. Uh Les says, I think Broberg's minutes are limited due to how the game was going once it got tied. Sure. They played Vinny with under five minutes to go, though. And I was screaming at my TV. I was yeah. like, don't just there's five minutes left. Nurse and echo him every second shift. Go, go, go. I mean, CC. I thought had a rough game too. You know who's impressed me? I like Brett Kulak. I have too. He was an offensive juggernaut in that first game. Didn't he rip it off the bars? But even in, and he had a chance in OT in That's game right, one. Yeah. Um, and then even in game two, I'm like, man, this guy, he skates really well he for really a big does. dude, for a guy who's like a shutdown D man. And he's patient with the puck. Like he, he doesn't cough it up when he goes up on these little rushes. He's got that. I don't even know how to describe it, but He's hard to knock off the puck. He moves up, makes smart plays. I've really liked him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a couple of months ago, I said each team has a nine to five guy. Brett Kulik is our nine to five man. Gets up in the morning, goes to work, does a good hard days, goes home, puts his feet up. That's, that's Brett it. Kulik. Like how often do we come on this show? Is my dad and I were talking. My dad loves Brett Kulik. 
How often have we mentioned his name on this show? Not that often. Uh, very, very rarely. Yeah. I mean, he had 20 points this season, plus 11 on the year. Yep. Like, that's very, very good. He's just so reliable. And there's a reason he's the one with Dayane. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he, he's a great hockey player for the Oilers. And I'm, what's his contract? Like, three and a 2. half? 2.75? For three years or something like that, yeah. right? Like, do you remember last year when he's, like, tested free agency? We were all like, oh, no. Like, he's leaving. <laughs> like, and then for him to come back, yeah, yeah, three more years, 2.75. If I had to choose this summer, if I was like, hey, someone's got to be a cap casualty on that blue line, it's CeCe, not Kulak. 100%. It's not even close. Kulak was, I was losing it last night. He was brutal. Now your left Sorry, side. Sorry, CeCe was brutal, yeah. The next three years is, or two years, I guess, Nurse, Ekholm, and Kulak. Kulak, and then Broberg. Or if you can flip Kulak to the right side, maybe, yeah. and play Broberg. Like, yeah. I think Nurse Kulak could actually be a good pairing. Oh, I think it'd be very, very good pairing. It would just be, can Kulak handle that switch? And he's just so intelligent. He's yeah. such an intelligent he's a good hockey player. Man. Picks his spot so well all the time. Like, just, I, he's my kind of guy. All right. Uh, catching up on what you're all saying in the chat. First off, I've got to apologize to my guy Dukes from Australia, who said he logged into YouTube at 1.30 a.m. to get the first comment. He's in Australia. Um, yes. And he said, I didn't read it. The YouTube didn't say he got the first one. So I don't know what the hell was up with that. So my apologies to Dukes. Um, I did not mean to snub you like that. I'm sorry. Uh, Maynard says, noticing Vinny on the ice is not a good thing. Les says, Vinny just needs to play a simple game, trying not to do too much. Less, I think you're absolutely bang on with that take. Just less is more when it comes to a defenseman like Vinny. And I think he can even learn some lessons. Not like Kulak is a vet and knows when to pick his spots. Mm. But again, he'll do it once or twice a game. Like, that is it. And it's when he's absolutely sure. And even when he goes up the ice, he almost always seems, like, ready and has, like, an outlet or a or a plan B, right? And yeah. he's just kind of almost gliding up. It's, it's really interesting to watch him. Um, we need Broberg's elite skating, says Isaiah. Yeah, I think the, the foot speed's good. Murray says, keep running 11 and 7, increase Broberg's ice time. That's the take right there. Um, that's the game plan for tomorrow. I'd have Broberg and Costin playing more, and I keep going 11 and 7 until I lose at this point. Uh, Broberg and Ekholm for a shift or two in game three. I don't hate that look either if you're, if you're confident in Ekholm's may, ability to maybe flip over to the right side. But um, Dukes, I don't hate you. Don't say that. <laughs> God. Uh, TC, why are we driving CC out of town? He's not been playing great, but he's done everything he's been asked of and more. Pretty steady guy. Yeah, I mean, he's been asked to play top pairing minutes. He's not a top pairing guy. Um, I'm just looking ahead to the summer for whatever reason. We we really don't need to do that right now, though. Um, the Oilers are in a 1-1 playoff series. And yeah. I think they're kind of back in the driver's seat here. When you look at what a good road team they've been throughout the season, I, I think I'd be even happy if they came back from LA with a split still. I think that'd be fine. Game five at home, chance to go up 3-2. Similar spot as last year. Hopefully you're just a bit more ready to go. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to... A bit more aggressive on it. I think they got. I think they'll win. They got. Oh, I think that I do think they'll win both. I'm just saying, like, if they were to only win one of these next two, I probably wouldn't be ringing any panic alarm bells, whatever you want to say. No, I wouldn't be like overly concerned. I felt like they were even in the driver's seat after game one. Like Mm -hmm. they just they did a good job of it yesterday of narrowing down the mistakes they had. But now you got to really, really narrow it down. Someone said, I only hate Nurse because he's overpaid. I don't hate Nurse at all. I think Nurse has been great. Darnell Nurse played last night. Like the numbers, again, just shout out to BP's Fanalytics. Let's dig into the numbers on Darnell Nurse. 26-22 time on ice. Second on the Oilers was McDavid at 21-27. This guy played almost five more minutes than anyone else on the team in last night's game. And the Oilers outscored the Kings 3-0 when he was on the ice. The Oilers outshot the Kings 16-15 when he was on the ice. The expected goals were good when it comes to Darnell Nurse. The scoring chances were 14-14. He consistently just goes out there and munches minutes. Yeah. And he, again, is playing top pairing minutes for this team. Everyone's loving Ekholm. He made a great deep play late in the third. The crowd went freaking nuts for it, and I love it. Matias Ekholm's made life easier for Darnell Nurse, but Nurse himself has taken some steps forward here. I've really liked his game. I think he's been been strong in both games. People are giving a little bit of criticism on mm-hmm. Kempe's first goal yep. the other night, but I don't know. I think that was just a good play by the Kings, to be honest, with, with Kopitar kind of driving the middle there. But yeah, Darnell Nurse is... Been the best defenseman on this team, yep. probably, like all things considered. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Don on this, and I, I'm glad he's finally getting less criticism. Yeah. 
Oof, it's 12.50 already. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Uh, David Campbell says, hello, new listener right now. How much have you liked Leon's play? He's been the best player on the ice, not even close. Yeah, he's been their best forward. It, he's been the best player in the series. I don't think it's even particularly close at this point. The guy's got five points in two games. Connor McDavid has one. He's averaging north of 20 minutes a game. He's got nine shots on goal. He's got to cut out the dumb penalties. He's got to cool it a little bit on the D zone because he had a couple of rough moments last game. But Leon Dreisaitl ceiling, like that move around Grundstrom, one hand, see you later. <laughs> Nasty. Nasty. Over one and a half points. Biggest lock in the world. Yep. Pay my rent this month. Thanks, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's take a look before we wrap up the show at the AMA Travel Out of Town scoreboard. Where are we starting, Aaron? East or West? Should we go East? East? Okay. Let's go to the East. Carolina goes up 2 nothing. That series is pretty meh. To me, yesterday was actually a pretty good game. I watched a good chunk of it. Uh, Florida evens it up against Boston. You think Florida can push this thing late? I had Boston in seven, so I'm kind of in on it. If they don't get Bergeron back, the Bruins, Florida could steal another one. Yeah, I mean, they dummied them too. Like the fact that Alex Lyon is the is the goaltender now in Florida, and just like how calm he looks. Like they showed a bunch of videos like pregame of him like laughing into the camera and making these faces like. Damn, he is he is relaxed. But did you see the penalty that was missed in the Islanders game? Oh yeah, the high. Oh boy, yeah. it, you thought people here thought the day on a penalty was bad. That miss calls brutal. Oh, I'd be furious. It scored right after. Yeah, uh, Tampa, Toronto tonight. I think Toronto bounces back. They're huge favorites on the books again. Shout out to Betway, but um, I I think Toronto bounces back. I don't want to bet on it though. I'll bet on it. I'm going to bet Tampa plus one fifty. They the thing that irked me a little bit about the Toronto game is obviously the game just got out of hand and at the end of the day they just won one game Tampa Bay but Toronto just had such little fight in them mm-hmm. and I just think that's so strange to kind of have you know like we saw a good example in a, in a similar way was the Kings the other night in game one they were they just stuck with it the whole time and got yep. back into it despite being dominated for large portions of the game Toronto just had nothing I'm, I'm very curious but no Michael Bunton as well like, but saying that Tampa's going to be about Headman, apparently. Game time. I heard he might play. Okay. Then me. Yeah. I'll probably go on Tampa on that one, to be honest. Uh, Rangers Devils. I like the Rangers as road dogs again. I think they're just a better team, but I will. I think it'll be tighter. Like they won 5 1 in game one. I don't think they're winning 5 1 again. No. I think New Jersey was a little bit like caught up in the moment. First playoff game for a big chunk of their mm-hmm. roster. I think they'll be much better in game two. I might even just stay away from this game in general because I like the Rangers, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils bounce back. I think I'll stay away too, but I mm-hmm. I feel like the the Devils, like you said, have kind of got that yeah. uh, the game one jitters out of the way now. I might go over in each game, actually. Someone yeah. else said that here. Uh, Jacob said hammer the over tonight. I might go over in both those play together. I like those two. Uh, out west. Oh, Winnipeg can go up to rip on Vegas tonight. I want to see Winnipeg win just because I think it'll lead to Vegas switching up their goaltending and going with Jonathan Quick, and that won't go well either. I want to see Vegas get swept. Yeah, and I mean, they got dominated again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one, Brassois was not good at all. And oh, it's, yeah, I could totally see it too. It's interesting to... Just how bad they were, to be honest. Like, like I, we kind of all thought, like, you know, Winnipeg has got the guys who could, who could do it and get them over the line against Vegas. But man, to beat them five one, that was wild. The uh, Winnipeg are the underdogs again, plus one thirty five. It's tempting. It's yeah, tempting. It Colorado, really Seattle, Avs puck line lock. I was the last that too. dude. The last three times they've lost in going back to the regular season, they followed it up by covering the puck line. There's no way Seattle goes up two nothing on the Avs. There's just no way. Puck line tonight is like plus one ten right now. Ooh, it's shifting. Plus two hundred. It's shifting. Two and a half. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Avs are bouncing back there. I know a lot of you in the chat are rooting for a Seattle win. I don't think they end up getting to the conference finals anyways. I would love it if the Avs scrape their sorry if the Kraken scrape their way to a conference final and Edmonton can get there. Oh, it's oh six all over again. Edmonton wins that series in five games. Um, <laughs> Isaiah calls Vegas the worst one seed in history. I agree with that 100%. I'm happy the Oilers avoided the Jets still, though. I think we kind of saw why in game one. Hellebuck, I mean, they only threw like 18 shots on that, but he was still solid. It, it is interesting, actually, that they are the number one seed in the West. When you look at the other teams, I think Dallas and Minnesota are both better than them. I think the Oilers are better than them. I think Colorado is. I think you could make a case that the Kings can be some yeah. nights, too. Like, 
But Vegas, I mean, to their credit, they have found ways all season to just win hockey games. So maybe we shouldn't rule them out so easily tonight, but I just, Connor Hellebuck, he is such a good goaltender. Yeah. All right. Another busy night. Four games in the NHL. Do we get four again tomorrow? Yes, we do. No one gets the day off. Uh, No one has their travel days set in yet. So another four tomorrow, including Edmonton rolling into Los Angeles, where I will be in attendance down in L.A. The show tomorrow not going at its normal time. We are going to be doing it in the evening as more of a true pregame show. Jay and I will be live in Los Angeles. Bag Milk will be joining the show as well. So again, tomorrow at noon. We won't have the show at its regular scheduled time. We'll be going closer to like six o'clock mountain time tomorrow. So we'll give you a true pregame show as we get set for Oilers and Kings. Sunday, we're doing the show normal time, noon mountain, still from LA, courtesy of our friends at AMA Travel who are powering this whole excursion down there. And then Monday, it's Liam and Belzy. Yes. Liam's birthday show. My birthday bash. The pow- Liam Power Hour. Uh, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's going to build him a Drew Doughty pinata. We're going to have a good time. Uh, All right. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Hammer the like button. Hammer the subscribe button before you close the window. Enjoy the hockey tonight. I will chat with you tomorrow evening on Oilers Nation every day.